You're listening to the Nuff Said Podcast, real strategies for customer success. Hey everyone, this is Chris, co-founder of Nuff Said, and on today's show, we're excited to have Dan from Monday.com walk us through how they use data in a sophisticated way to drive scaled CS programs. What we learned is that product usage data alone just isn't super helpful. It becomes really helpful, however, when you look at trends over time compared to other customers. Two, once those trends are instrumented, monday.com can trigger live CSM interventions, invitations to office hours, offers to participate in the community, and send targeted emails. And three, not surprisingly, they ask customers if they're receiving value along their journey. That's the TLDR. Let's jump in. My name is Dan Ennis, and I am the manager of the U.S. Scale Customer Success Team at Monday.com. For those of you that don't know, Monday.com is a work OS platform that lets companies go in and build processes, projects, workflows for almost any kind of industry. So we have the unique pleasure of working with customers in almost every vertical due to the industry agnostic nature of Monday. Um, Everyone from small mom and pop companies to large enterprise organizations. Um, And the way we run scale here at Monday means that our our scale customer success team has the pleasure of interacting with customers all along that cycle as well. My background, I've been in customer success for about seven years now and have been on the scale customer success team at Monday since its inception about 18 months ago. So I think maybe it would be worth walking us through how this team has grown and evolved over time. One thing that Monday.com is known for is having an incredibly sophisticated data program that drives scaled CS. We'll get more into that detail later, but let's just first walk the audience through how did the team start and what was the journey to get to where you are now? Absolutely. So with Monday, like a lot of customer success organizations, we realized that for there to be one-to-one, high-touch, dedicated customer success interaction, it does make sense from a business perspective for there to be a a financial floor to that, right? There has to be a certain minimum that companies are paying to justify the investment of that one-to-one dedicated interaction. Monday was no different like any other number of SaaS companies with how we approached that. But going on from there, we also realized that there was a long tail of customers who had high growth potential who we couldn't quite justify the one-to-one dedicated high-touch interaction with because it didn't make a whole lot of sense from a business perspective, but that we knew there was an open opportunity for customer success to have an impact there and move the needle and bring some of the value of customer success in a way that would make sense at a scaled level. So that's really what began the idea and conversations around a scaled customer success team. So we began building out that function to work with customers that are, again, below that threshold for that dedicated one-to-one level and began to leverage and experiment and see really with the approach of what are the one-to-many slash digital components that we can bring to these And where can we target strategic one-to-one human intervention? So rather than having ongoing dedicated high-touch interactions, using data to identify where the strategic one-to-one intervention can help move the needle, as well as leaning on digital programs to be able to help customers achieve value and their desired outcomes as we work with them. Just to help give people a little bit of context too, for folks that are earlier in their journey, maybe a little bit less mature in their scaled programs. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, looking back seven years, things that you thought you did really well in the early days and maybe some pitfalls that you can avoid as you begin your scale program? 
Yeah, absolutely. So with the scale program, with especially looking at how we built it out at Monday when we first started, right? We have to answer quite a number of questions. Like what were the goals that we had for this segment? What were we wanting to actually accomplish? What were the different components that we felt we needed to do with these customers? And how are we going to decide what was going to be the action that would make the most sense to bringing out the value for these customers? You can't fall back on a lot of the typical things that you would rely on as a dedicated high-touch customer success manager. Things like building out the really close relationship with a customer, which is really important in a more high-touch dedicated role, which I had experience doing previously. You have to find out ways, how do you gain that trust of a customer that you're not building that one-to-one relationship with? So we would work a lot of the time on trial and error and I think that that's a really important component for those that are trying to build out a scaled function initially. The saying that always comes to my mind, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. You're never going to get a perfect scaled program out the gate when you're building it. Start with identifying what are the goals you have for these customers? What are the pain points that you're aware of? Use some of the human validation of what you know from the accounts that you do have high touch interaction with and see how that applies to those broader customers that you don't have the one-to-one interaction with. Test out some of those hypotheses because chances are there's similar pain points and struggles, just not at the same scale. So you can apply some of the resources to working with them. So once you've identified what some of those pain points are, so for example, with a product like Monday, one of the things that I, I love the most about Monday is the way you can do almost anything with Monday. And so with that, customers then also sometimes face the challenge of how do I do the thing I want to do with Monday? So we would apply, how do we work with customers to find out what their goals are? How do we work with customers, again, all at scale to help get them the resources they need? So we wanted to lean into the data we had available and really rigorously test our hypotheses against the data that we had. And so what I mean by that is one of the things I think we did really well as we were building everything out initially, anything we would try, we would want to make sure that we identified what the goal was we were hoping it would accomplish. And secondly, how would we know that? How would we know at scale? Because we can't just talk to a customer. We can't just say, did you accomplish the goals that you had? Did you have, I mean, there was, you know, surveys, of course, kind of thing that we could use, but we weren't going to be able to say, did this workflow help you accomplish the exact business goals that you had? So what were we looking for with our data that we could rely on? And so I always come back to data is never perfect and data is only as good as the questions you're going to ask of it. So when it doesn't matter how robust your data is, if you're not asking the right questions, if you're not looking closely at it, you're not going to get much out of it. But on the flip side, even if you don't have a lot of direct data, you can usually identify patterns that with what you do have that you can then leverage to make educated assumptions about the customers you're working with. So as an easy example, you have hopefully as a company positive validation from your high touch dedicated accounts you know what successful customers look like what their journey is you've you've seen that you can validate these customers here are ones that we've seen be successful then you can look at those and see based on whatever inputs you do have what do they have in common what is it that these customers have on their journey that we know are milestones that we can then try to lead other customers towards at scale what are the things that their customer journeys have in common that we can look back on? The more data inputs you have, the more you can see that. Vice versa, same thing on customers that churn. 
you can see, hopefully, when you look at your customers that have churned, ask questions. What is it that these customers have in common? What are the things that we could have seen that indicated they were on that path? So I come back to all of that because we did a lot of asking those questions. And then whenever we took an action, whether it was an email campaign, whether it was using in-product notifications, whether it was doing one-to-many office hours, webinars, all of the different components that we had, we were wanting to test what was the outcome we wanted to see and how are we going to measure success? And frankly, like open rate and click-through rate wasn't enough because that would be nice to see, but that's just telling me how effective the email was. It's not telling me how effective the actual moving the needle was with getting the goal done. Because great, if we crafted an awesome email that led them to open a piece of content, but they didn't actually change their behavior, in my perspective, that's not a win. That's not the win that we were looking for. We wanted to see customers have better outcomes. That's what we did really well was lean into that. Yeah, and I, I want to actually go really deep into the data. I'm going to just pause on that for a second because I think that the other important question is if you're going to go back in time and teach yourself a lesson, something to avoid, a pitfall, maybe a mistake that you made that you wish you hadn't made, anything that you could share with the audience about something to look out for as you build out your scaled model, or maybe as you're building up your data set? Yeah, something to avoid, I would say, is making assumptions about your data, uh, making assumptions about what you see. It can be really easy to see high numbers and then assume this means healthy customers. That's one big thing. Making assumptions is, is just, it's the quickest way to make your data not be very valuable for you. The other and this one I come back to a lot because our model really does involve that hybrid of a digital one to many scaled programs, as well as the strategic one-to-one intervention, uh, being really choosy with where that one-to-one intervention comes in. Um, considering a lot of our team as we were building it out, already had a background in customer success. That's just our your natural go-to card when you're not sure exactly what to do. It became easy to want to jump straight to that when that wasn't necessarily the right move every time, right? So that would be the the thing I would always encourage would be to hold that back a little bit more initially. If you're trying to build something out that's more digital led and more scaled, simply because it lets you leverage that for the truly strategic components, as opposed to just falling onto that. And that was where, you know, I laughed that, you know, wouldn't have wanted to be a part of any other team as we built that out. But I also laughed that because we were all experienced customer success professionals, that meant that that was just our, our natural go-to. We'll, we'll meet with the customer. We want to connect with them when we're trying to figure out what's going on. And that's a good instinct, but it shouldn't be the first move we, we make. So we had to learn to build out where does that strategic intervention make sense? Where do we leverage that? Because it it's not that we don't have that. It's just a tool, not the tool, as opposed to looking at the whole repertoire of levers we have to pull. So that would be a, those would be the two biggest ones. Don't make assumptions of the data that you do have, um, because when you start with that and you, when you look to validate a hypothesis you have, you can try to spin the data to say something it doesn't say, right? Like if I'm thinking that feature X is a sticky feature, I can look at churned customers and just find a dozen churned customers that didn't use X feature and say, see, that proves my point when that doesn't necessarily prove the point, right? And then secondly, don't default to that one-to-one lever because it's not the only lever and doing that can get in the way of having the appropriate digital-led programs. 
Awesome. Thank you for walking through that with us in detail. And so, Dan, let's let's get out of the little leagues here. Let's go to pro baseball and talk about the state of how Monday.com runs scaled CS today. And I think really the thing that is unique or really defines how you run your program is how the huge volume of data that you're collecting and how you apply it. So can we start by just defining the scope? When you say that we're great at collecting data, what does that mean? What type of data are you collecting? Yeah, we've got inputs from, from customers that show everything from how are they using the platform at a, at a high level to you know, feature usage all the way on through to robust health scoring systems and kind of historically tracking at that because that's one of the things that I think we have made a really strong point at is that any good health score can be really good as a moment in time. So I think that the, the one piece that I would say has probably been the biggest that we've done is a big emphasis on trending, not on moment in time data. When you look at the way that we've used data, some of it is very similar to how a lot of other companies have, but we've done what I think we've leveraged really well is understanding that moment in time data can can really skew your perspective of a customer. The best customers have a low week where it's, you know, maybe a lot of people on PTO, maybe a lot of people are out sick, whatever reason's going on, it can trigger an alarm bell that's not an alarm bell. But at the same time, it can make you think that counts are healthier than they actually are and don't need certain interventions that they do actually need if you're just looking at moment in time. An account had one person go in one week and they've been historically low. And actually that one week spike in usage is because they're trying to go in and export data because they're actually thinking about leaving your platform, right? And so it triggers a spike one week and on the data, that one week looks really healthy. Great. Like this is a healthy customer. That's not a healthy customer when you're looking historically at the trending. You want to know why all of a sudden is a customer that has historically been red health in green. Like that's that's not a normal jump. Why is it showing like that? And usually you know, we've got enough mechanisms in place that it would normally you know, prevent you from prevent that from happening and showing us healthy. But those are just some of the examples of what I mean when I say the trending has really been, I would say, the way that we've taken using data to the to the next level because we want to get an understanding of where customers have been and then trying to, you know, eventually as we're getting better at it, use that to forecast and get better at using that to forecast where we think they could be, where we think they will be based on looking at other customers, similar customers with similar trending and looking at a, as many inputs as we can. So that would probably be even more so the next level, but looking at all of these different inputs of, again, how they're using the platform, what is it they're trying to do in there? What is it that we're seeing that they're actually doing as well as accumulating that over time and looking at that in an aggregate way? So are you collecting, you know, Dan's secret, you know, data silo that is only available to your team or is this data actually available for the rest of the CS org or even beyond that? How do you think about data sharing and knowledge sharing? We've got that at a couple different levels. One, the leadership in general is always aware of where their segment is entirely so they can get visibility into that. Um, we've got our own dashboards and everything related to that so that I can go in and see where, where the team is in relation to that at a high level that's putting that before me in a kind of proactive way. 
other leadership can go in and see that. Similarly, I can go in and see that for other areas or putting that in front of me as a leader, for example, proactively. Individuals, the same thing, but we're also using that to help prioritize and identify which accounts when we look at an account and we look at a wide variety of criteria about the accounts, which ones are the ones that should prioritize having an impact any given week based on where they're trending with their health score, where they're trending with capacity, where they're trending with the usage time over time and growth potential. Looking at all of these different factors, it kind of helps use an algorithm to create and say, these are the ones that should be prioritized. And that's what uh, individual CSMs are looking at to help identify which accounts should I spend the human interaction with that makes sense to try to have a strategic intervention with. That is uh, what I always like to call our, our proactive reactive model, where to the customer, it feels very proactive. Oh, wow, this is the company reaching out to me. I didn't initiate this. But from our perspective, it's reacting to the data. So it's it's the proactive reactive model where we're reacting to what we're seeing there and using that to identify so that CSMs can see when they look at their book of business, their portfolio every week, they can see which are the accounts I should prioritize religiously tied to you have to always pick the top ones because we trust our people to be strategic. But we put it in front of them based on all the criteria that we look at as a standard, this is where it would make the most sense to help make that decision making consistent across the team as well as to make it just easier for the CSM. If you're spending all your time trying to comb through lots of data in a way that you've got to make sense of which of your accounts in your portfolio do you reach out to, do you spend the most time with, you're going to be spending way too much headspace trying to do that. So we want to take the heavy lifting off of the individual CSMs on that. Okay. And so based on what I've heard so far, the health score is primarily driven by product usage data. Is that right? That, that's the main guidepost? Oh, uh, that's one of them. Yeah, it's it's product usage. Capacity is a component of that. Product usage, but depth and breadth, really. Okay. And when you say capacity, you're talking about number of licenses issued versus number that exactly. are being used. Right. Okay. So you've got a health score. The health score is trending over time. You can identify potential customer problems based on trends that you've seen with other customers that are similar, and you've been able to look at their historical outcomes. So if you see a certain trend in an account, you could say something like, I'm going to make something up here, Dan, 25% of customers with this behavior will end up churning or will do a partial churn. So am I right in saying that that's how you use your depth and breadth data to help identify customers that are at risk? And then from there, the scale CSMs at that point have the opportunity, if they'd like, to do a human intervention to get that account back on track. That's exactly right. So we, we leverage that and even then have gone really specific into what does a a human intervention look like and using data to say, okay, at what point have we seen X number of meetings have diminishing returns with a customer? So that way we've even tried to use data in, in that sense to say, great, the customer that you spent six meetings with didn't move the needle a whole lot more than the customer that was spent three meetings with. So we're capping it at three, right? Obviously if a CSM, we trust them to be strategic. If they want to have an exception, they can bring that so we can work on that. But because we don't want that to be our default lever, we work on, so what does it look like to be more strategic with those? And I think that that's been great to see as that's allowed that to scale, but that's exactly right. We look and we say, this identifies risk, but also the flip side, this identifies potential growth. This identifies customers that are right on the cusp of growing. And so similarly, if you want to strategically intervene because 
if you get this team over the hump, you can get the other teams now involved in using and then prime them for growth. So that's where I think that it's it's not just the risk side, although that's certainly top of mind always for everybody in customer success, but it's also on the growth side. Because your team's data collection abilities are so strong, can we go even one step deeper into this? Like lots of companies are collecting product usage data, right? So it's relatively easy this day to plug in a product usage data tool and start collecting, you know, number of times this product is used, number of times they've logged in, number of times this feature is used, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So how are you going beyond that to capture even more sophisticated or insightful information about the customer's usage of the platform and maybe even make some assumptions about the value that's being received? So one big part, uh, I know I've, I mentioned it previously, but the looking at trending is, I cannot overstate that enough, just really because trending of that data over time is what tells us in a lot of ways, a better story. So that's one component. The other component is we we try to, to capture when customers come on board, what their goals are. And we know certain features tied to certain workflows more likely than others. So it's not one-to-one because of the really flexible nature of Monday, just given that that's how, how Monday works. So you can't quite assume it completely, but we do know that if someone's trying to accomplish a workflow and make something a lot more seamless that they're probably going to be using automations a lot, right? So if their automation usage is low, it's fair to assume they're not accomplishing the goal that they set out that they stated they have. So that's where we can tie some of that back to the the goals that are a little self-selected from the customer of what they want to accomplish and then the workflows. So we try to talk about their goals in in two senses. One, like the nuts and bolts, like what's the just what's the workflow? What are you trying to accomplish here that we were trying that you're trying to build? And then the broader, what, what does that mean for you for a business sense? Like what's the business goal here? And so then we can make assumptions based on how we know from just having worked with you know, so many customers what that particular goal looks like from a feature usage perspective. Again, like you said already, it's definitely some assuming going on, but we try to to get really good at asking that that question and tying that in with the strategic intervention when we do that to be able to get that understanding. So it's also mapping of features to goals, not just mapping of features to general trajectory, but like actual goals, which features tend to tie towards which goals. Nice. You talked about using trend data to decide when there needs to be a human intervention, but because we're talking about scaled, Mm -hmm. I imagine there are many other things that can be triggered by the data. So can you walk through what's in the stable of potential things that you could fire off with this data? Absolutely. So we've got, for example, we've got a number of office hours that we host, which are um, something that are conducted where you know, customers come and attend. It's different than a webinar because it's got a little bit more of a fireside chat component to it where customers can contribute a little bit more actively to it if they want to. It's, it's not just a top-down more like you would think of with a webinar. There is an education component to it. We do those sometimes by industry, sometimes by use case, sometimes by feature, because there's any number of ways you can gather people together on that. Um, so that's open for customers to sign up to. If they're, you know, if they're one of our, our paying customers, they can sign up for that you know, proactively, any of them that they see that they want to. But when, when certain triggers happen, we know that this customer is probably a good target for one of the office hours. And so we'll kind of proactively send something to that customer to, to notify them about something based on either their, their use case that we know or feature usage that we know would benefit their goal that they're not using. 
similarly, that's one of the, the big levers that we pull is we have our, our Monday community. I don't you know, talk about that as much because I'm not as directly connected with that because we've got a great team that, that runs that really well that is not directly on the customer success team like CSMs. We've got a great team that runs that, but the, the community component is also massive because customers are able to learn from each other in the Monday community, post their questions, share their questions, learn from each other, um, and really leverage other power users. And so when we point that there, that's not a one-to-one lift that any CSM has to do now. We always try to point people to the community when we're talking resources as well, when they're working on things. So that's another component that's in the stable is if they've got something that's a little more specific than just a broad use case that we might be covering in a webinar or in office hours, but we think that other customers might be able to speak to that, community is a great lever to pull. Similarly, there's, of course, just targeted actual email campaigns, like you mentioned. I'm trying to move the needle on things, but we always try to talk about with, again, with an email campaign, what is it that we're trying to do? Are we trying to get them to attend a session? Are we trying to get them to change a product behavior? And that really affects how we go about what we're doing with the email campaign. But that's another lever that's, of course, available that we have in our tool belt. Are there any kind of interesting things that you're doing with email that you maybe have evolved over the course of the last couple of years? I think on the on the email side, I'm not as directly involved on the development of some of that because people will jokingly tell you I'm the last person you want writing that that content. So our team, I, which is one of the things that pro tip to any of the leaders out there listening to this, delegate away. Your team is your best resource. Like, don't I think this should be given table stakes for a conversation like this. But thankful for a team that we have that has done a really good job at going above and beyond to experiment with what have been the best ways to to communicate you know a video in the email it's nothing that's groundbreaking but it's really just thinking through is it video in the email is it linking outside is it something that they don't have to click anything else because we're trying to change the behavior in the product and frankly i don't care if they click the link necessarily right like that can create the sure that's good engagement but if the goal is product change and i know that that's a barrier to entry of clicking another link what is it that's going to do the the best impact for what we want to accomplish so it's less any particular new fancy thing that's being done email and more just a lot of intentional thoughtfulness into each email, what's going to make the most sense for the goal that we have. Awesome. And not sticking with a one-size-fits-all template. Okay, last question for you is around collecting VOC data. So are you doing anything today to understand, you know, the customer's perception of whether or not they're getting value? Absolutely. So there's a lot of different components to that that I would say. First and foremost, uh, there's of course the ability for customers to provide direct feedback in the product. We've just That's something that's available. We try to make that pretty highly visible so they can give that feedback directly so we can hear from customers directly. Second, we make a point that whenever customers do give feedback, that's something that we have a, a pretty visible way internally. Probably no surprise, we use our own, our own tool for it, but we have a pretty visible way of collecting and highlighting that data and associating customers with it and doing a lot of really good follow through on what customers are saying, Uh, not just from a 
like a feature request perspective, which is of course important. And we do have that component absolutely as well, but also a, just a, a general feedback and how are they, they feeling about what they're accomplishing and the broader goals that they have. So that's collected both from in product through one-to-many in an email sense, it's collected through calls. We try to collect that through every channel we have because we know that the BOC is just so important to be able to make sure we're reflecting that as we're developing the product and as we're just implementing our practices. Even things as simple as having some teams where as they're wanting to make changes to processes, they will talk to certain customers who they know have a good perspective on how this change would impact them, right? right? Things as simple as that. We try to make sure that we're really thoughtful. And I know we've been focusing on data, but the, the customer-centric nature of Monday has consistently blown me away as well. Awesome, Dan. I really appreciate you going into such detail on how you run things at Monday.com. And you certainly are you know, a trailblazing company with respect to using data to drive scaled CS. Maybe for the audience, it might be interesting to talk about how you use the words scaled CS, low-touch CS, tech-touch CS, and digital CS. Is there a difference between any of those words, or are they all saying the same thing? Yeah, so when I use them, I do have a little bit of different flavor to them, and I think that broadly in the industry, as I, I'm sure you you know from all the people you've talked, that there's not a consistent way that people use the different phrases. So when, when we say scaled CS, it's the overall function that leverages all of those different tools, whether that's the some of the one-to-one -one interactions, using some of the more digital-led tools. Because of the way we accomplish our CS here at Monday, we don't have a segment that is digital only. Digital is definitely a methodology and a lever that's there to pull. So as we've talked about, I think before, the other teams at Monday, not just our scale team, use certain digital components as well. As they're working with customers, it's not something that's limited to scale. So when I say scale, it's we probably lean more heavily on that than some of the other teams, but it's not unique to our segment. So scale is leveraging that more heavily while also having the one-to-one -one interaction where digital, I would probably be using digital and some of the tech touch a little more interchangeably if I was using the phrases, just because they they really imply that not a human interaction. And for us at Monday, that's not for a segment. It's a lever that we pull. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Dan, for sharing your thoughts and experiences, how Monday.com is running Scaled CS. You've been thinking about this for many years, so appreciate you sharing that experience with us today. For the audience, if they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. That'd be the best way you can follow me there. I'm always happy to, to have a conversation around Scaled CS, something I'm very passionate about. And that's it for this week's episode of NuffSed. To learn more about NuffSed's proactive intelligence platform, you can visit nuffsed.com. That's N-U-F-F-S-A-I-D.com. And you can follow NuffSed on LinkedIn. To tune into more real customer success strategies, Head over to your podcast platform of choice and make sure you're subscribed. Thanks for tuning in. Nuff said.